0: How many of you have been blessed by this series? Have I mean, you been strengthened, encouraged, blessed? Come on, I know I've been blessed and touched and strengthened and encouraged through this series. And today I'm wrapping up the series, and I want to talk to you about the ingredients for health. The ingredients for health. You know, um, on Friday, for, I, man, really, since my youngest my oldest child was probably one or two years old we've always had a Friday family date and we always usually go either to a restaurant or pick up some food and come home and, and eat together as a family and we did that this past Friday we got some pizza and my wife and I love to put a ranch dressing on our pizza I just think that's a good combination to put a ranch on the pizza and so we love doing that and and one of my other children also he, he also does that and and my my, my, my baby girl Kara she, she just never has done it she's watched us do it for years she's never thought that pizza and ranch were a good combination but for whatever the reason this past Friday night she decided to try it okay I'm gonna try some and so she got a little ranch and put it on a little corner of the pizza she took a bite and I saw her. Oh, it got her, church. because She wanted some more ranch. Some more. She finally ran out of ranch and asked Tiffany, do you have some more of that ranch? She found out that ranch and pizza is a good combination even though she thought for years it would not work out very well. And I think there are a lot of ingredients that, that they kind of fit together. They don't look like they work together, but when you put them together, they actually taste good. In the fall, how many of you like to put peanuts and candy corn together? Come on, anybody the house like this. come on. I love some peanuts and candy corn together. If you never tried it, that's a good combination together. Anybody ever had a bacon donut? I remember one time I had a bacon on a donut. Have anybody ever tried a bacon? That's pretty good stuff. But how I many you know bacon's good on anything? You know what I mean. You put bacon and broccoli together, it tastes good. You know, one of my favorites. One of my favorites is I think it's, I think it's good with everything. Eggnog. You put eggnog with eggs. Come on, eggnog casserole, eggnog French toast, eggnog pancakes, eggnog lattes, eggnog milkshakes. I'm about to get the Holy Ghost right now eggnog is good. Brahms ought to pay me. I don't know church talk to Brahms as much as I talk about eggnog. I love my eggnog. And, and there are things you don't think go good together, but when you put them together, they actually taste good. And today, I want to give you some biblical ingredients that when you mix them together, they will produce health during and even after this election season. You can be healthy during and after this election let let me just begin by saying this i want to encourage you to vote it's important for all of us to vote And yet I know in our nation there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of concern about the election. And what I want to teach you today is no matter who wins the local, state, or national election, you can be healthy. And I know some of you doubt that today. You wonder, I don't know. If the person I'm voting for doesn't win, I don't know. Listen, no matter who wins the election, you can be healthy if you will follow God's recipe for health. And that's what I want to give you today. I want to give you God's recipe for health. And the Apostle Paul gives this to us in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. And what I want to do, one of my favorite ways to preach God's word is verse by verse by verse, I, I don't always preach that way, but, but I do enjoy preaching verse by verse, and I'm going to do that today. I'm going to unpack for you 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5, and we're going to get this recipe. Verse 1 says this, I urge, that's big already, I urge, I, I plead, or I, I beg, then first of all, not last of all, Not our last resort after we watch or read the news or talk to friends or go on social media or when everything else fails. He said, no, 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 no. I urge you, first of all, then, before you do anything else, here's what he says. Petitions, prayers, and intercession. He says, I want you to pray first. That's what we call it around people's church. You got to pray first. And he goes on to say, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And right there in verse 1, Paul gives us two ingredients. If you will combine those together, you can stay healthy in the middle of this election. And at the end of this election, you can be healthy. Let me give you those two ingredients. Number one, pray for all people. Pray for all people. Paul said, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayer, and intercession be made for all people. Come on, everyone, shout all. all. Come on, just write it in the, in the comments right there in the chat line. Just write the word all, all, all. And I want you to understand this. Because I, I, I know some of you better than you think I do. Because I know some of you are already thinking, well, Pastor, I'm going to pray for all the people I like. No, 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 no. Paul said, no, I want you to pray for all people. That means people that you like and dislike. That means people who who hurt you and people who bless you. That means people that disagree with you, people who have a different perspective, different point of view, have a different political view, have a different world view. He says, pray for all people. And then Paul takes it a step further and says, Pray even for all leaders. Notice this in verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. He says, pray this way for kings and all. Come on, shout that with me again. All. All who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Paul tells Timothy to pray for all kings and for every person who is in authority, even For all the people that you disagree with, you disagree with their policies, you you don't like them, even even if you think they're corrupt. He says, pray for all people, pray for all teachers and all politicians and all police officers and all school principals and all superintendents and all bosses and all managers and all parents and all coaches. He says, I want you to pray for all of them. And some of you right now, you're thinking you kind of got that dark side to your mind right now and you're thinking, okay, I'll pray for them. I got pressed. I'm going to pray they die. No. Somebody's thinking, I'm going to pray they lose all their teeth. I'm going to pray they get hemorrhoids. I'm going to pray God strike them down with a disease. Okay, Pastor, I'm not going to pray they get a disease, but I just pray they get diarrhea for life. That's not the kind of prayer Paul is talking about. Listen, you, you can pray for God to open their eyes and to soften their hearts, that God would save their soul, that God would change them, that God would guide them, direct them, that they would make honest and just decisions for all people. But don't pray ill will over people. Well, pastor, but well, pastor, that's what Paul said. What does Jesus say? Well, well, let's let's see what Jesus says about this. Matthew chapter five, verse forty-four. He says, "But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you." Jesus says, "Pray for everybody." Luke chapter six, verse twenty-seven. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray. For those who hurt you, he says, love and pray for everybody. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, he says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the most high. For he he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Jesus says, don't curse, but bless everyone. Bless your enemies. Pray for everybody. Everybody, we even see the Apostle Paul as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not only does he write this to Timothy, but he also write these same words to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And how many of you know that a lot of Christians aren't practicing these Bible verses There's a lot of fighting and arguing and cussing and fussing, but not not a lot of blessing and praying for people in this season. You know, when I was growing up and and we woke up, my mama could cook, y'all. I miss my my mother, and, man, she was a phenomenal cook. We, We ate good meals, man. My mama used to make goulash. Anybody here eat goulash? Come on, mama would make goulash, my mama would make living onions. Oh man, I love me some living onions. My mama would throw down, make some pentone beans with ham hock with some jiffy cornbread. Come on, son, I'm about to preach up in here today. I mean, mama, mama could cook, could cook. And, and the thing about mama's cooking is almost every single meal, she would always make vegetables. Mama would make goulash with green beans. Living onions with spinach <laughs> she would always have vegetables and i wasn't really as a kid i didn't like the vegetables i wanted the meat i liked the potatoes i liked the goulash i don't want nothing to do with those that spinach and so anybody else kind of like your pastor back in the day i was bad you know i used to get that them greens that green stuff on my plate when mama wasn't looking i slid it slotted my napkin I ball it up put it in my pocket I got to go to the bathroom, flush it down the toilet. Come on. Who else did that? Come on. I'd walk by the trash can, drop drop it in the trash can because I I didn't like the vegetables in church. We can't treat God's word like vegetables. We can't we can't pick and choose what we like and then flush the rest of it down the toilet or throw it away in the trash can. we got to live all of God's word and God's word says pray for all people. And then he gives us a second ingredient. Here's a second ingredient. Give thanks for all people. Notice this in first Timothy chapter two and verse one. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them Paul says not only do I want you to pray for all people I want you to give thanks for all people I want you to give thanks for every person and including people in authority and I'm sure uh, that Timothy was like a lot of people Whoa! whoa 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 wait a minute Paul time out you want me to pray and give thanks for all people and for all leaders listen to me Paul I know some bad leaders yes Timothy I know But I want you to pray and give thanks for the ones you like and the ones you don't like. The ones you agree with and the ones you disagree with. You see, Paul was teaching Timothy, don't allow a leader to steal your thanksgiving. Listen, listen, church, God has been way too good to us to allow any person or to allow any leader to steal our thanksgiving. If we don't maintain a thankful heart, we'll end up with a sour heart and a sour heart will destroy our life. And he says, you got to maintain a thankful heart. If you're going to be healthy, you've got to maintain a thankful heart. And you see this over and over and over in the word of God. That's why it says in Philippians chapter four and verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your request to God. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 18, give thanks in all Circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are some people that say, Pastor, well, what is God's will for my life? Right here, give thanks in all circumstances. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful, being watchful and thankful. It sounds like crazy talk to give thanks in all circumstances. With all people and all leaders, it sounds crazy. Why in the world should you and I give thanks in bad circumstances? Why in the world would we give thanks for leaders that are messing up our life or when a leader doesn't share our values and our views? Why would Paul write this? Here's why, because praying for all people and giving thanks for all circumstances and for all people, let me tell you, it is healthy for you and I. Paul tells us to do this because it brings health to our life health to our heart if we will mix prayer and thanksgiving together we can be healthy in every season and then paul does something powerful he gives us six healthy benefits of mixing these two together and i want to show you these six healthy benefits here's the first one a peaceful and quiet life a peaceful and quiet life. Notice back in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. If you will pray and give thanks no matter who wins the election, no matter who is leading at your workplace, at your school, or at any other environment, you can have peace peace and quiet on the inside. Church, hear your pastor. You can have peace and quiet on the inside no matter what's happening on the outside. Your peace is not predicated on a person. Your peace is not predicated on a a president. Your peace comes from God. Listen, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. And the world allows what's happening on the outside to control what's going on on the inside. And right now, there's a lot of noise in our world. I mean, it's loud. People screaming and yelling and cussing and fussing and demonizing and canceling each other out. And right now, let me tell you what's on the inside of the world. What's going on? People nervous, scared. You want me to stop doing that, don't you, church? I yeah. you. But that's what's going on on the inside of people. I mean, the world, is just noise and it's loud. And they say, I can't have no peace. I, I, I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. Oh, I don't know. And I'm telling you, as a child of God, if you will mix prayer and thanksgiving, you can have prayer. You can have peace on the inside, no matter what's happening on the outside church. Don't let a person steal your peace. Peace is yours from the Lord. A life. Marked with, uh, that has peace, peace and quiet. I want you to see a second healthy benefit. And that is a life, a life marked by godliness and dignity. Godliness and dignity. In First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Marked by godliness and dignity. I've got a lot of marks on my body. I've got one right here on my hand. You probably can't see it, but years ago playing football, I scraped top-level layers of my skin off, and I got a big mark right there on my, on my hand. I got another one right there, and I got another mark right here where I scraped myself right there, and another one where I scraped myself here, and just marks on my body. I got I got one on my stomach when I was a kid. I, my, 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 stomach, my, my, t- my stomach hit the stove and, and burned myself. I got still like a little mark right there on my stomach. I got I got marks on my my body. But can I tell you something about the marks on my body? They don't mark my life. You see, you can have marks on your body, but it doesn't mean it marks your life. And the question I want to ask you is, what's marking your life? What is marking your life? Is your life marked by chaos? Is your life marked by fighting? Is your life marked by cussing folk out and acting crazy? Is your life marked by division and rudeness and hate and canceling people out and social media rants? Is your life marked by being a know-it-all? Is your life marked by only seeing things from your point of view? What's your life. When you mix prayer and thanksgiving, your life can be marked with godliness and dignity. Your life can be marked with the fruit of the spirit. We want as Christians, as people full of God's spirit, to be marked with the fruit of the spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. God, if I'll mix prayer and thanksgiving, my life can be marked with godliness and dignity. Oh, it's healthy for us. I want you to see a third healthy benefit, and that is a good life, a good life. Notice what he says in verse number three, 1 Timothy chapter two, verse three. This is good and pleases God our Savior. And the Greek word translated as good carries this sense of health. This is healthy for us. When we learn to pray for all people, we love to give, learn to give thanks in all circumstances and for all people. It's actually good for us. My family over fall break this last weekend went to Nebraska for a funeral. And, you know, whenever I get out of, out of town like that and spending time with my family, I get more undisciplined. And so I just started eating everything. We was hanging out in Nebraska, and I was eating hamburgers and and French fries and, and Dairy Queen blizzards, and it was good. They took me to a place called Leo's Chicken, uh, and man, that man, that was some good chicken, y'all. It's fried chicken. I ate that fried chicken, and they said, I got some famous onion rings. I ate the famous onion rings, and they said, well, you want a, some, some, some appetizers, some gizzards? My brother-in-law asked me, do you want some gizzards? I said, yeah. And I, mean, I mean, no, they don't grill gizzards. Come on. They fried them gizzards up, and I ate me some fried gizzards. I mean, I just ate horrible, and I got back to Oklahoma City. I wasn't feeling all that great. I, I just eating all, all, all that food and all, just filling my, 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 my body with grease, and I, I wasn't feeling too good. And I woke up the next day and I didn't feel like working out. I was like, oh, I don't want to go work out, but I remember what my doctor told me, Herbert, you're 45 now and and you know your family got a history of diabetes and your family has a history of heart disease. You got to take care of yourself. Your cholesterol starts getting out of control if you don't take care of yourself. And so you got to just so I remember that so I went to the gym even though I didn't feel like it. And church, you'll be proud of me. I I practiced Pastor Scott's message, take care of the temple. And come on, I want you to be proud of me. I worked out 5 times this past week, church. Oh, I did it. I didn't feel like it. But, but it's good for me and can I tell you you won't always feel like praying for folks you don't like you won't always feel like praying for folks you don't agree with You will not feel like thanking God in all circumstances. And thanking God for all. you won't always feel like it. But if you go with your flesh, your flesh will keep leading you to an unhealthy place. If I would have followed my flesh, I didn't want to work out. I wanted a hamburger and some fries. But I said, I got to get back in my routine. And so I did something that I didn't want to do. But ultimately it was good for me. And the Bible says this, if you will pray and give thanks in all circumstances, it's actually good on your heart. It's good on your soul. It's good on your Mind, it's not doing you any good to hate, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be good on you if you learn to pray and learn to give thanks. He says, it's, it's good, and then I want you to notice this fourth one, this fourth one, this fourth health benefit, and that is a life that pleases God. He says in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 This is good and pleases. God our Savior. And what's interesting to me about this statement, matter of fact, for all of my Bible scholars, all of you that love the Word of God and love to study the Word of God, this is really interesting. I could only find in my study this week and last week about six or seven times in the New Testament where the Bible says a specific behavior pleases God. This only, only happens six or seven times in the New Testament. One example is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So there's just specific behavior, uh, just a, a, a few times in scripture where the Bible just points that out in the New Testament, and, and, and two of those behaviors Paul talks about right here, and he says, prayer and thanksgiving actually pleases the Lord. When we do those two things, we mix them together. He said it actually pleases God, our Savior. And whenever we do things, have behavior that pleases God, God places his favor on our life. If you want God on your side, if you want God to bless your life with his favor, listen, one of the ways that you do that is by prayer and thanksgiving and he goes on to say in ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 26 the scripture says to to the person who pleases god he gives wisdom knowledge and happiness does anybody want some knowledge wisdom and happiness from the lord come on some of y'all lying i said who wants happiness and wisdom and knowledge from the lord You need that kind of favor on your marriage. You need that kind of favor on your dating. You need that kind of favor on your singleness. You need the favor of God on your parenting. You need the favor of God on your physical body, on your money, on your mind, on your emotions, on your decisions. You need the favor of God. I don't know about you. I need more favor on my life. The favor of God. Favor with God is way more important than favor with man. I'm trying to figure out how I can please the Lord so I can get more favor on my life. Here's a fifth thing that he, he shares with us. Here's a fifth thing. We're looking at healthy benefits from mixing these two together. And the fifth one is a life that changes your world. A life that changes your world. Notice we're just walking down the text. First Tim- Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? We pray. And we give thanks for all people because God wants everybody to be saved. Church, our ultimate call as Christ followers is to win a lost world to Jesus. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to spread his love to all people. He wants us to be a witness to the world, not to whoop the world. God wants us to be a bridge, not a brick wall. He wants us to attract people to Jesus, not repel people away from Jesus with our life. And the devil wants to do the exact opposite. The devil wants you and I to antagonize instead of evangelize. He wants us hurting people and hating people and fighting with people instead of reaching People And it's hard to witness to people that you're whooping. And the devil wants to sabotage our influence. And there are a lot of Christians that are flushing their influence down the toilet in this season. They're fighting and and arguing with one another and tearing people down at work and at the ball games and family gatherings on social media, media. They're antagonizing instead of evangelizing. And it's hard to antagonize and to evangelize at the same time. It's hard to crucify and testify at the same time. God wants us to be the hand of compassion, not the fist of frustration. Our biggest goal is not to whoop people, is to win people. I love how the apostle Paul says it. He says it so eloquently in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. He says, "Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to notice why? To win as many as possible." Let me remind you, there's a real heaven to gain and a real hell to shun. He says to the Jews, "I become like a Jew why?" to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law. Why? So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law though I am not free from God's law but am under Christ's law. Why? So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak. Why? To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. are biggest goal is to win people, not to whoop people. A- and the devil wants to divide the church so that we ruin our witness to the world. The world is not attracted to a bunch of Christians fighting, arguing, and fussing, and cussing each other out. That's not attractive to the world. Jesus says contrary in John chapter 13 and verse 35. He says, by this everyone we'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another as committed christians we i want you to understand this what makes us different from the world is we don't allow our political fears to eclipse our eternal opportunities and it's okay to have political opinions. In fact, we should be advocates for, for truth and justice and, and righteousness. However, how we do it matters. That's why the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2 be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing. I'm not talking to the world, I'm talking to the church right now. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And across the American church right now, there's not a lot of bearing with one another in love. There's not a lot of making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. But I tell you today at People's Church, we will be a church that weathers this divided season by loving each other, by being diversified and unified at the same time. And when I say Diversified and unified, I think that goes over some people's heads. Let me tell you what I mean when I say we're going to be diversified and unified at the same time. I love being in a church where people are different from one another, I love being in a church where we don't all agree. I love the fact that we have different skin colors, political views, denominational views, all worshiping the same God together. That's what makes us diversified and unified at the same time. We're not all alike. And yet we're lifting up the same God together. And you know what the devil wants to do? That dirty, conniving devil He wants us to start feeling insecure, and he wants us to retreat into homogenous little groups of people that that all agree with us. You agree with me? Oh, I like you then. You don't agree with me? I don't want nothing to do with you. You don't see it the way that I say it? I don't want anything to do with you. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. Jesus says, here's how the world will know if you're my disciples, if you love one another. And sometimes to love one another, Paul says, you got to bear with one another in love. So sometimes what that means is you're going to share your differences, and you're going to have to agree to disagree in an honorable, respectable way. And how many ever had some Christians? I'm not talking about the world. Have you ever had any church folk get on your last nerve? You know, you got to bear. You got ever ever have somebody you know they're wrong, but they gonna argue like they're right. You just, I want to just, I gotta learn to bear. We gotta learn to bear with one another in love. Because listen, above all else, we've gotta we've gotta protect the unity of God's church, so we can be a witness to a world that desperately needs Jesus. I want you to see a sixth benefit. This this last one's my my my, my favorite one, and I think for me, it's the most important one. A, a sixth healthy benefit of mixing. Prayer and mixing thanksgiving together, and here it goes, a life that keeps God in his proper place. A life that keeps God in his proper place, and he goes on to write to Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God. Come on, everybody shout, one God. Come on, write it on the chat line right now. One God. There's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man christ jesus paul says to timothy no matter who's in leadership there's only one god church no matter who wins the election there's one god his name is not donald trump or joe biden his name is jesus that's my king that's my god somebody shout jesus somebody shout jesus jesus is our king jesus is still lord no matter who wins the election no matter who wins the local the state the national elections jesus is still in control he's still my king listen my hope is not in a man my hope is not in a woman my hope is in jesus christ alone my faith is in the lord jesus christ he is my king I love the words of S.M. Lockridge, the old famous preacher. And he said these words. He said, the Bible says, my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the king. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder today, if you know Him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's empirically powerful. He's impartially, impartially merciful. I wonder do I got a church that knows my king. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call Him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if I got a church that knows my King. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He guards. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He the young he serves the unfortunate he regards the age he rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek I wonder do I got a church that knows my king well my king is the king of kings he's the key to knowledge he's the wellspring to wisdom he's the doorway of deliverance he's the pathway of peace he's the roadway of righteousness he's the highway of holiness he's the gateway of glory I wonder I wonder, does somebody know my king? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wonder, do you know him? I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your Mind, you can't get them off your hand, you can't outlive them, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find a way any fault in him, Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him yes that's my king he's the king of kings and the lord of lords you can't vote him in and you can't vote him out he can't be impeached he reigns he's in control that's my King, my faith is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. My faith is in the King of Kings, and his name is Jesus. That's my champion. That's my champion. That's my champion. Just Jesus. my champion. His name is. Jesus. Come on, the one that I serve. His name is. Jesus. The one that I'm following. His name is. Jesus. The one who's the winner, and the winner of all winners. His name is. Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you praise today, Lord. You're our king. You're our champion. You're the one we follow. You're the solid rock. Everybody else should disappoint us. Oh, but you'll never let us down. Thank you for being our champion. Have your way, Lord.